Welcome to the Millennium Counseling Center podcast, where hope is yours, it's time to soar. I'm your host, Oren Madison. It's time to rise above and celebrate healing, hope, and recovery with the Millennium Counseling Center team. Special thanks to Kaz Source, who helps us with the production of our podcast. If anybody needs any help or looking into podcasts, please reach out to Kaz Source at kazcontent.com. Hey guys, this is uh, Ord Madison from Millennium Counseling, and we're joined by our executive director, Derek Bilsma. And today we have a guest from London. Welcome, Rasan. Welcome, guys. Thanks for thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, you guys know a little bit about Derek and I and our role here at Millennium, but uh, Rasan, can you maybe share a little bit about who you are and uh, kind of what you're about these days? Cool, yeah. So uh, Rasan Nurulov, born on the south side of Chicago, um, went to school in New Hampshire, um, uh, got a job in underwriting when I came out of school and, you know, worked in New York, San Francisco, um, Chicago, and then got a little bit restless and moved over to London about eight years ago. So I underwrite construction projects, um, do a lot of analysis, financial analysis, contract analysis, just everything. And that's, you know, what pretty much that provides me the money to do my real passion, gallivanting, traveling. You know, trying to see as many new places, different people, different foods as I can. So that's right. And um, how many countries are you up to now? I am at sixty-five right now. Um, the the pandemic put me on a little bit of a, a stop, and so uh, yeah, I'm looking to looking to get forward, um, gallivanting again. Very so. It's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. So um, you know, I think we're really here because. Um, when you visited Chicago a couple weeks ago, we were just sitting in my backyard and catching up and, um, like a lot of our conversations, you know, it, it kind of turned to, um, you know, more real, more like what's not what we're doing, but how we're doing. Um, and we were kind of talking a little bit about just the pandemic and life and, um, kind of really honed in on, uh, the kind of the concept of pain, um, and how as humans we can struggle with kind of feeling pain and what we do with it. So, um, you know, I know for me, uh, as a therapist, I spend a lot of my day talking with people about the different kinds of pain they experience and not just now, but in their past. Um, so, you know, just curious for like, why was this conversation kind of important for you to be a part of and, and how are you kind of thinking about, um, you know, pain, you know, maybe personally, but maybe more so how you see other people kind of navigating pain. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, it was it was interesting because I, I feel like I've been having a lot of conversations about um, pain and trauma in the past few weeks, um, but, it, but it goes back months and months. It's probably been on my mind a lot. Um, just really thinking about how we don't have a language in society for talking about pain, talking about trauma. Um, people don't feel comfortable talking about things that are bothering them, what makes them unhappy. And then I think there's a, a feeling of, of helplessness where whether it's um, fear driving that or just really I, I can't change things. This is just how things are. And, and I'm going to feel this pain. I'm always going to feel this pain. And then un unfortunately, we live in a society, too, especially, um, you know, we're, we're in a, a very commercial society. And so people are quick to find things to maybe fill your your pain gap so to speak so whether it's you know alcohol netflix 
you know, Instagram, whatever it is, somebody's, you know, somebody's going to give you that kind of hit of dopamine. So you're not thinking about pain. You're just like, okay, I'm happy now. But then once that goes away, you know, that, that pain is still there. And, um, I think that was, that was something that, that, um, I've really been thinking about a lot where, you know, years past, I would have a job that, that I hated, would go there every day, you know, upset when on the way to work, upset at work, upset when I got home from work, would deal with that upsetness, however I was dealing with it, and then do that same routine for two weeks until I get paid, and then, you know, buy some shoes, go on a trip, something, and then have that same pain cycle over and over again versus looking at what was causing me the pain, you know, maybe it's the work, maybe it's the situation and treating that instead of trying to like buy myself off, you know, and, and not feel the symptoms anymore. And, and I just see that like all around me. I'm, I've been having a number of conversations with friends and, you know, there's, there's definitely a, a feeling of helplessness around it because people don't, people aren't used to talking about it. Yeah. So I'm just curious, Derek and I talked quite a bit at the beginning of the pandemic of how this may affect people that are already seeking out mental health help or addiction recovery help, how this, they're already kind of gone over some of the barriers and hurdles of like keeping it in or not talking about it. They're already, they're seeking out stuff, but how, you know, th this extra added uh, event of a pandemic, how that may kind of exacerbate the pain for people so um you know what did you see Derek? especially like early pandemic or even now yeah i mean i think that we kind of went through a couple waves i think uh you know in the in the early pandemic i think people didn't really know how to handle it know what to do and then i think people adjusted to trying to go back to you know kind of a normal way of living which brought its own pain i think people didn't know how to do that they weren't used to being as social they weren't used to interacting. They weren't were used to having to travel to their office or, you know, be in traffic or, you know, all those things that uh, that we didn't experience. That. And then I think now we're heading kind of back into that feeling. Everybody's concerned about COVID again and worried about, you know, vaccinations and masks and shutdowns and things. And I think that you see some of that, uh, you know, some of that kind of pain coming back and that worry and that fear. Uh, you know, the way I kind of looked at it along the way is uh, I think a lot in numbers, like one to 10, like, you know, if I ask myself today, what is life uh, from a one to 10, 10 is I've got the greatest life of anybody on the planet. And one is I've got the worst. Uh, I think that this whole last 18 months, 20 months has has been kind of a, a 20 to 30 percent discount on what all of us experience as life. And the challenge is uh you know, what I, what I kind of always look at is, is that, you know, we, there's certain times in life when you need to thrive and there's other times in life when you need to survive. And I think if you understand the difference, uh, you can work the same level. You can, you can put the same amount of effort in and sometimes you're just surviving and other times you're thriving. And so that's kind of what I saw. I don't know. How about you? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, being in the role of therapist for so long now, like I just am so used to taking care of other people's pain um, that early on in the pandemic, I realized that I was experiencing my own pain. And um, and that was maybe been going on before the pandemic, but it, it wasn't only until kind of, uh, 
month four or five of the pandemic that I realized like, like I too am one of all of us going through not just the pandemic, but just the human experience, right? Stress um, and uh, the, the other kind of factors that can bring up pain. And so, um, you know, I, I, I saw a lot of my clients struggling um, with navigating pandemic stuff, mostly around their relationships with other people and, and how to be different than others and um, how to kind of feel like uh, accused or judged for how they were doing it versus other people. Um, and then I just, it, there became a huge spotlight on, on how I was doing. Um, and I really felt like I needed to, to do more self-care than I maybe had acknowledged or had been prepared for. So what was there any specific event or, you know, driver where you had that, Hey, I think I may need to look after myself a little bit more than I had. Oh so, yeah. So for me, like whenever I go to like, uh, therapy or massage or anywhere like my stress and tension is in my shoulders and neck and like I feel like every day for like 10 straight days like I was you know massaging my shoulders or taking ibuprofen or whatever it was and I'm like this is this is happening way too much um and and that's that's kind of when I realized like I needed to kind of just sit down and, and not ignore it anymore Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for about a week, I just did way more self-care, way more talking about like what was going on. And that's, that's when I was able to really get the actual relief rather than, uh, you know, ibuprofen, <laughs> ibuprofen, <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, and, you know, rolling, having a ball, ball roller on my neck, like that, that was just symptomology. That was just you know, making it go away for the moment, right? Um, what really helped make it go away, uh, you know, reduce it dramatically was acknowledging it, being okay with it, that it was okay that I was feeling that way, um, and to find other solutions. So, yeah, I think that was that was one of um, kind of my favorite sayings from last year that that I think got into the larger ethos was, you know it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I love that that statement got out there because I think so many of us, you know, you, you mask up <laughs> just, you know, you hide your emotions, you hide what, what you're dealing with, you know, your friends, your family. And, and it's, it's tough to be vulnerable. You know, it takes a lot of courage to talk about things that are troubling you or to, to say things that may be, unpopular within your smaller group because it's dealing with, you know, deep or more sensitive issues and and not everybody has a platform to do that. So just even having terminology come into kind of the mainstream where it's like, hey, it's like, I don't have to be on this happy-go-lucky, everything's great. I can say, you know what, I'm not having a good time today. And that's okay. And I, I think that really helped a, a lot of people just get into having a little more agency and being able to take like ownership, like, you know, these are my emotions or feelings and I can, you know, even if I don't know what to do with them, I know that I don't have to hide them. I can say like, hey, I'm not doing okay today and, and that's fine. And I, and I thought that was great. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think one of the the benefits that we're going to see out of the last couple of years is is I think that you know discussing discuss, discussing struggles, discussing discussing mental health, uh, talking about these things has become a bigger. It's been a bigger talking point. More people are talking about it, and I do think that in the long run, it's going to make it easier for people to address these things and talk about these things because all of a sudden, um, you know, you don't have. Uh, a, a much bigger percentage of society now was dealing with things than uh, than may have been true before, or at least it was just now exposed, right? That uh, that people, you know, people who may not have been lonely or bored in the past now are being lonely and bored, or they're being having anxiety that they didn't have anxiety in the past, or or depression, or you know, a sense of loss. And so I think what this has done is is I really think it's or, or will do, I guess, is is I think it's opened up um, the you know, acceptance of the fact that, that this exists in all of us and also the willingness for people to realize that this isn't uh, unique to, you know, those people who suffer from something. It's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's within all of us. And I think we've all been kind of forced to look at that and, and acknowledge that a little bit. And so my hope is, is that as tough as it's been over the past year and a half, um, that this will open up the ability for people to really address these things and be able to live in a in a happier, more content place because they can take care of these things. And to your point before, you know, you, you mentioned alcohol, Netflix, and, you know, ultimately those things, they're just pressing pause on the pain button, right? They're not, it's not a solution. Those aren't, those aren't solving the pain. They're just delaying the pain till later. And then you still have the same amount of pain to get out and you need to take care of and, and needs to be treated. And so uh, I think that's one of the, the things that we all kind of, uh, have misunderstood over time is thinking that these any of these things are solutions and they're not solutions. They're just they're just uh, kind of kicking the can down the road and still having to deal with that pain. And I think for me, I'd rather I'd rather you know kind of get all the pain out and then move on with my life than uh, than slow roll it and uh, you know feel the same amount of pain over the course of two years. Um, I'd rather just put it out there, deal with it. Uh, you know, get it taken care of and not have to have it be a lingering thing. And I hope that other people are able to see that and, and see the value in that. Yeah. And, and there's a, a lot of power in that practice that I, I, I don't think people really appreciate. You know, when you have, if you're unhappy at work or you're unhappy in your relationship or, or life in general, when you have those thoughts of unhappiness, you, you feel that energy when you have that thought. You feel down, you feel stressed, you feel whatever. And every time you have those thoughts, it comes back. And if it's something in your life that's material, you may have that thought five, 10, 20, 100 times a day. And that's just in your system, in your system, in your system versus, you know, it's not always the greatest thing because it's not nice. It's not nice to deal with those things that have been tormenting you or that are stressing you. But if you're able to work through them, you're not having that thought five times a day, 10 times a day, a hundred times a day. It's something that you've processed and hopefully you know, have come to terms with. And it, and you don't want to say it goes away because it may always be there, but you can be at peace with it. So it's not constantly badgering you. And, and people really underestimate how much this power and, and happiness can come from that, from like dealing with those difficult issues. Um, so the two things that are kind of, kind of most on my mind so far in this conversation is um, one, 
uh, that kind of acknowledging pain is like a weakness, right? Um, and and that's that that in in itself is just like a massive undertaking, right? Um, that to kind of realize just to say any kind of struggle, right? Like um, my knee is hurt, my tooth is hurt, I have to go see a dentist, right? Um, but then to then pivot to more of that emotional pain, like I'm sad or lonely or mad or something, right? That that's an even a bigger kind of thing to get over, right? Um, because of its association with, you know, there's something wrong with me, or I don't want people to know this about me because uh, for whatever they make up in their minds. Um, and then the other thing is just the way in which you look around and see all the ways that subconsciously and on autopilot, we're all coping with pain um, on various degrees and various levels, you know. Uh, on the most extreme, you have people that are medicating on, you know, fentanyl, you know, and opioids, but all the way through caffeine or sugar or um, TV or or social media. So I think for me, one of the things that really intrigued me when we were talking, Rasan, was just like, like, let's stop labeling kind of the, the good ones and the bad ones. And let's just start thinking more about like, you know, how how can we just all be a little bit more aware that pain is okay, pain is natural and normal, and when we can kind of just see it for what it is, um, that we can kind of actually move through it and get on the other side of it by just seeing it for what it is. Yeah, and I, and I think that's that's important because it's, some some of the pain is 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 very big, <laughs> you know that 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 to deal with, and then others are not so big. But I think one of the the key elements is that you have to take time to address it, reflect, and work through it. And if you think about how our society has been set up, it's you know, how much can I get done? How quick can I do stuff? I have, you know, I'm here, I'm, I'm there, I'm everywhere. And the, the pandemic has forced everyone to slow down, yep. you know, and, and it, you know, to varying degrees, but it's kind of forced everyone to slow down to some extent. And that's, that's that kind of first step is just to, to, to have the time and to take the time to, reflect and and realize if there are things in your life that are you know causing you pain you know what are they why like why why is it causing you pain how, how does it make you feel like just and and just doing that with yourself you know even or or with a professional but like taking that time and and it was it was one i, I know personally I, I i used to deal with this where I, I I knew I should meditate for the longest, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, you hear about all the benefits of meditation. It's so great. Um, and then I was like, you know, I, I don't have the time. I, I, I'm, I'm too busy to meditate. But the, the, the reality was like you can meditate for 10 seconds. You can meditate for an hour like you always have that time. The reality was I didn't I didn't like the silence because there was enough in my life that I wasn't okay with that I didn't, I didn't want to hear what, what happened when there was nothing taking my attention. 
So it was more, I, I was um, much more comfortable to kind of play the, play the game of, you know, being alive, traveling, working, going out with my friends, you know, busy, 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 busy until I fall asleep, fall asleep, but just not be alone with my thoughts. And kind of getting past that point and, and actually just working through it, doing the slog and like, you know, realizing I have, I have some, you know, some negative language in my head that, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with like, you know, different, you know, a positive version of me and a really crappy version of me talking to myself all the time. Like, where, where did those come from? Where did those thoughts come from? And like really getting into that process. And yeah, now I'm fine, like listening to my thoughts alone because they're not destroying me. <laughs> you know, I feel very like comfortable being silent for so much time. But I like, I knew in my heart that I wasn't meditating. I mean, even though I didn't say it to myself, I knew I wasn't meditating because I didn't want the silence. I didn't want to start hearing all those things that I was using the pace of my life to avoid. And and getting past that was very important for me. Yeah. Well, and one thing you just said, and I don't know if you recognize the way you said it is, and it doesn't happen at the beginning, but if you can be interested or curious about what you hear rather than, you know, you know, ashamed or judgmental or critical, it makes being quiet and still easier. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, the way you phrase like, oh, like, that's an interesting message I'm telling myself um, versus, you know, like, I shouldn't feel that way or, you know, like, like, that's, you know, that's the bad part of me or, you know, whatever it is, right? I mean, if we're able to kind of kind of frame it in a way that allows us to look at it the same way we would look at a positive, you know, uh, idea of ourself or a message, um, it's a lot easier to, to sit with it. Yeah, and, and I found that to be extremely powerful. There was um, um, kind of at the beginning of my, you know, journey, kind of reframing how I, how I saw the world, um, I was reading a book, um, The Mastery of Self. So you, you probably read The Four Agreements. Um, loved that book, thought it was great. Um, and it was a book written by um, his son and just kind of digging deeper into those, those um, concepts. And at the beginning of the book, they were talking about, you know, the, the two versions of self. So you have like the ally who's always on your side who thinks you're amazing, you can do anything, go for it, you know. And then you have the parasite who's just like, you're crap, you're garbage, you're not good enough. And like, neither of them is you. They're just, you know, two opinions in your head. And so like, separating myself from my own thoughts, I, that was a really, really powerful moment for me. It was like, I'm not the one telling me I'm crap. Neither am I the one telling myself that I'm great. And the one that I'm going to hear the loudest is the one I keep listening to. And so even just being able to acknowledge of like, this thought is not me. It's just the thought. And it's like, hey, thanks for that. You know, like parasite, like, yeah, you're kind of a jerk. Thanks for it. Does anybody else have anything to say? He's had the floor. Can somebody else talk? And just that experience of like, I'm not my thoughts. I'm not my thoughts. My brain is just firing, you know, nonstop. And having that space to, to really kind of separate myself from the thoughts was a, a big step. 
uh, for me. And, and yeah, super yeah. important. I, I think that's great, and I it it reminds me of something that uh, that I talk with a lot of people about, both personally and professionally. But is is this internal debate that we have in our heads, right? It's uh, it, we all have it. You know, some people look at it like the good and the bad, or the you know the the uh, you know the example you use with the parasite and the uh, the encouraging side. And I think that people are afraid to to generally to look at that and acknowledge that because it sounds like you're, you know, they're thinking, oh, I'm talking to myself or what do you mean I don't have control over everything that's going on in my head? Uh, but I think there is really, this is a really important thing for people who are trying to work through really anything. Um, but I think that if you can understand that we all have an internal debate in our head, and like you said, you know, you're gonna listen to the one that speaks the loudest. And at the end of the day, we don't necessarily have a choice about what each of those sides are saying, but we do have a choice of which side we're going to engage with. And uh, and if we want to engage with the parasite and, and say, really, tell me why I can't do this. Tell me more. Why, why am I a failure again? Then certainly we can get into a long conversation about how we can't do it. And, uh, it's, it's not about covering up the negativity because I think we need that. I think we need that kind of those two sides for that internal debate. But I do think that there's some power in learning how to, uh, you know, listen to the message that we're getting from that side while still engaging with the message that we're getting from the other side. And like you said, uh, you know, feeding, I know there's an old, uh, an old tale, an old fable that talks about uh, a young, a young man is talking to his grandpa, I think, and he says, the grandpa says, you know, there's a, you know, there's a good wolf and a bad wolf in all of us. And, uh, and the kid says, well, which one wins? And the grandpa says, whichever one you feed the most. And yeah. so I think that falls under the same, same kind of thing. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, 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 and then I think it's also important for, for people to, to realize and recognize that a lot of those thoughts in your head, especially the negative ones, they like, they didn't come from you. They're, they've come from somewhere. And it's like our kind of conditioning in society. And I, I heard this something years ago that I thought was funny. It was like, tell me the last time you saw a really angry baby. You know, not, not one that's sad because its needs aren't being met right now, but an angry baby full of rage, full of hatred. It's like, don't exist like babies are happy funny and then if they need to poop if they want food they'll cry and then they'll stop once they get what they need you know but it's like that's like learned all the negative talk that we have is all learned from somewhere and it's i mean i'm that's one of my goals it's just like let me get down to the root of it for myself like where is this coming from who 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 was saying it to me or where did I pick it up and where did I internalize it and recognizing that it doesn't serve me, you know, and it, if, if it served me at one point in my life, great, but right now it doesn't and let it go. <laughs> Tell them to shut up. <laughs> yeah. So, um, early on in the pandemic, uh, we wanted to kind of, help as much as we could for people that weren't seeking therapy. And so uh, Derek and I thought of uh, like, what kind of social media presence can we have during this time? And we, we came up with the, the, the Instagram handle um, gifts of the resets. Mm -hmm. um, and I think kind of uh, the spirit of it was that 
you know, that this is a time of reflection. This is a time to look at ourselves, to look at our life, to figure out kind of we've, we've been, you know, in fifth gear for so long. We've never there's been nothing that has stopped us from doing all that we've been on the highway for so long that we haven't had to recharge. We haven't had to get off the highway. And this is literally for, forcing us to get off and park the car and and, and think about things. Um, and, you know, so we've been thinking about this for a while and just in terms of how this can be a way for people to examine how they feel, who they are, what they're doing, uh, what their what their purpose is. Um, what have you really gotten out of the pandemic for like who you are and, and what what your purpose is and and how has that felt? Uh, um, yeah, super interesting. Uh, I'm I'm one of the the I fall in the side of like I'm team pandemic, you know, aside from the loss of life and, you know, the, the tragedies that have occurred. This this time has just been invaluable. I mean, at first, from an academic standpoint, I, I really appreciated that, in, at least in my lifetime and probably most people's lifetimes on Earth, this is the first time that everybody on Earth was experiencing the exact same thing. Like, nobody's special. Like, we're all dealing with adversity that we all have to overcome. And, and most people haven't been alive. The last time was World War II, maybe, but that wasn't even everybody on Earth. That was certain countries. Not everybody was dealing with World War II. So this is probably, you know, the last pandemic, 1918, when collectively we were all dealing with the same thing. Um, so what, 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 <laughs> what, what have I learned for it or taken away? I would say the, the first thing was um, traveling. So I love to travel. Like, uh, I mean, love, love, love to travel. Um, but I, I was traveling too much to the point where when I flew back from the U.S. to London the first week of March last year, and that was my 19th flight in 2020. And we're like the first week of March. So, I mean, I'm talking like all over Europe, Australia, America. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what time zone I was in. I wouldn't know what country I was in and just, just go, go, go. And being at home, the first thing I, I reflected on was was the dead time of going to an airport, coming from an airport, being on a train, waiting in a taxi. You aren't reading a book. You aren't like doing anything necessarily productive. It's just like scrolling. What else can you do when you're kind of being tossed around, you know, waiting in an airport? Probably 25% of my life was dead time, just being in transit to somewhere else and being at home nonstop, I really reflected on kind of, okay, well, what, what do I like to do? Now I have all this time on my hands. You know, the, the work day is eight, 10 hours and, and there's really a lot more hours in a day. What do I like to do? So just kind of focusing on, um, started drawing a lot again, started playing records again, which was good. The other part was um, I've had I've had respiratory issues in the past where um, 20, 2018 was probably my worst year where I was on antibiotics, I think, 12 or 14 times, had pneumonia, had bronchitis a couple of times, like just not a good time for my lungs. And so 
being in a pandemic where it's attacking people's respiratory, you know, systems, I was just very conservative about how much I could be out. And then also thinking about, okay, how can I strengthen like my mind, my body to be as resilient as possible if something does happen to me? Um, so before, you know, I didn't have a daily med meditation practice, started a daily meditation practice, um, didn't have a, a breath work practice, but started doing the kind of Wim Hof breathing, retention breath, um, started with the cold showers, you know, started eating more of an anti-inflammatory diet, just exercising every day. I mean, I was really just all in on like, okay, if I'm at home <laughs> with all this time on my hands, hey, let me, let me do something for myself and like focusing on mind, body, spirit and, and everything. And, and it's, it's been really good from that standpoint. Um, the other side of the pandemic, which I'm, I'm really happy about, um, was the not happy about what happened, happy about the aftermath, but, but the George Floyd, um, uh, murder where that's been happening since America was started. You know, that's not new. That's not new to anybody. But the fact that there weren't distractions is what elevated it in people's consciousness. You know, there was no baseball on, the NBA playoffs weren't on, the hockey playoffs weren't on, everybody was in the house. So there was like this shared experience of you, you can't distract yourself from that. And I think a lot of people saw for the first time how you know the how black people were treated in this country or in america and that experience and it really activated something in a lot of people who were just like that's not okay that's wrong and we're gonna stand out against it i i didn't think that type of energy would be seen in my lifetime like i didn't i didn't think that ultimately being black in america is to be a second-class citizen and that's just a fact you're you're always dealing with daily microaggressions daily form of racism always worried about like am i going to come home today and it's like primarily the police that, that you're worried about and to to think that it doesn't have to be the same for my niece and nephew that something could be different for them that something could be better um i i, I was I was really thankful that that's happened. And then the, the ensuing protest and um, discussions that were being had. I mean, I, I, I started writing, you know, like writing was something that's, I love writing, but it had been on my list of things to do. And I was having, uh, I was struggling a lot dealing with the emotions that um, some of the discrimination that I felt, some of the situations with police that I've experienced um, that they were bringing up in me and writing helped provide a vehicle for me to express myself and kind of get some of that that pain out. And there were some, you know, there were some work nights where I was up till six in the morning, just like, you know, crying, writing, just not you know, not in the best place, but just trying to get it out. So it wasn't eating me, eating me, eating me. And with that, um, shared, shared some of those stories with some friends. And because of, because it's not something I talk about on my day-to-day -day basis, people were just like, this stuff happens? Like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened to you. What? And it's, 
I'm, you know, you know me, and I think that was important. It's like, hey, my character, I'm, I'm a nice person, I'm a professional, all these things, but it doesn't matter. It's like, I have the same experiences that so many people do, and they're, and they're not great. And just like finding a voice and a vehicle to express myself and deal with, frankly, a lot of trauma that, you know, you just paper over because it's part of, it's part of the Black experience. Like, hey, police are going to treat you like crap. Hey, when you go to the grocery store and the woman's nice to the five people before you, and then when you get to the counter, what do you want? What do you need? And it's like, oh, well, what's different about me versus, and I came with the same smile, you know, just, you, you, you that's your experience. And you just get consigned to the fact that you're going to have this lesser than experience and being able to vocalize that and have people listening for the first time too. Because in the past, if I brought um, one of those circumstances up to a friend, work, whatever, it's, are, are you sure, um, what, what did you do? Or maybe you misunderstood. There's always some form of that in a response. There's never, wow, I can't believe that happened. I'm listening for you, I'm here for you. Do you need space to talk about that? That didn't exist. It somehow is always your fault. And just providing um, an environment where people were actually listening for the first time, I, I felt in my life, I thought was really powerful. So I'm, I'm very team pandemic for some of what it's allowed out of people and, and, and compassion too. I think because everybody was dealing with the the shared traumatic experience of the pandemic also seeing the pain that like black people were experiencing also seeing the general pain and people who weren't unhealthy and on ventilators i think a lot of people you know develop probably more compassion than they had before and and compassion is oh man it's just such it's a i would say it's a skill that has to be practiced on a day-to-day -day basis and it's huge. And if, if we have more compassion in this world, the world will look completely different. And I think some of the events of last year sparked some of that energy in people that, that was dormant. I wouldn't say it wasn't there because everybody has the capacity, but it just wasn't at the forefront. And so I think just the events of last year brought a lot of things out that needed to be brought out. So. Yeah, well, well said. And I appreciate you sharing that. And, you know, I think that the this you know the, the the all of these experiences at like you said i think have uh have have forced us to look at things you know to really look at things and to acknowledge things and to and like you said i think what you said about compassion was great uh because i think that that's something that you know people as a society people feel like we've lost that a little bit we've lost the ability to you know kind of put yourself in somebody else's shoes or understand somebody else's experience or you know be able to uh you know i think particularly uh as things become more politically divided and people have you know people want to make sure their opinion is heard you know the thing that goes away is that ability to uh you know kind of understand uh that your experience may be different than somebody else's and uh you know if somebody's going to be willing and open to talk about it and share it with you then that's important because it's uh it's hard for them to do you know it's it's hard to have that conversation and like you said i'm glad to hear that the writing was helpful and you know being able to feel like you could express that and uh and, and get some of that out and i think that that's 
you know, kind of overall, I think that has been, I agree with you. I think it's been a, a benefit of all of this. You know, there's, there's a lot of really negative, horrible things that came out of the last, you know, couple of years. And I think there's also an opportunity for some good things for us as people to learn about, about ourselves individually, about ourselves as a society, about ourselves as a country, uh, as a world. And, uh, you know, these things, it, it seems like these things keep coming up that force us to look at these things and, and, and really have an honest understanding of what's going on. And uh, my hope like yours is, is that that will lead to more compassion. It'll lead to people having a better understanding of things that uh, just because one person experiences things a different way or has a different experience with something doesn't mean that, uh, that that's how it is for everybody. And uh, I think it's important that we all understand that, acknowledge it and, uh, and honestly take a look at it look at it straight for what it is, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, it's important too, that, that because of what's happened last year and going forward and everybody's dealt with something, you know, everybody's had some form of their life was not exactly the same as it was before that we're allowed to, to be more of ourselves. So I don't have to just play the role of stoic businessman. You know, like you, like there are a lot of people playing that character, but then when you're at home on Zoom and your kids are, you know, running around in the background and the dog's going crazy, you can't play stoic businessman because everybody knows that you're a dad with three kids and you're trying to manage, you know, like, and, and that's important. It's like we have to, we have to lay down some of these facades and, and get out of these characters. And it's like, we're all complicated people and we all have more than one facet to us. And like, the more that we can be be more of ourselves, it helps us. And that, that also links in with the pain too. You know, we're, we're usually, hey, I can only play this one role. And so I'm suppressing, hiding, dealing with something else because it's not safe for me to bring my whole self into whatever environment I'm in. And the the more those walls can come in up come down, I think the better off we'll all be. What's up, man? We could go on for a couple more hours here, man. But I just I just want to say I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful that you know we're friends, um, but grateful that you're just uh, open and courageous enough to have kind of looked at your life and gone through what you've gone through and willing to talk about it and share it. And um, just really appreciate you. Yeah, thank yeah. you. I appreciate you as well for, for showing up as, as a good friend and being an awesome dad and a, and a great counsel and, yeah, just being an all-around good human being. So thank you for that. Yeah, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, I think you've got a, uh, a, a really um, broad understanding of, of kind of things. You've been to a lot of places. You've seen a lot of different cultures. You've kind of experienced a lot of different things both good and bad. And uh, I think that it just helps, you know, for everybody with perspective to uh, continue to have these conversations and listen to these conversations and, and, and try to, uh, you know, have a, have an understanding. I appreciate you sharing that stuff. You know, you sound like a, a really interesting guy who's done a lot of interesting things and I'm sure you'll continue to do that. And uh, we appreciate you joining us. Yeah. Thanks a lot. I, yeah. Really appreciate the, the time and yeah. Thank you for sharing. And yeah, it's, uh, it's been really nice. Thank you. Awesome. And for any listeners that have any questions about this conversation or uh, want to dive more into this, just reach out to us on our website or social media, and, and we'll be happy to answer any questions or, or start these kind of conversations with you. So 
Uh, thanks again, Rasan, and uh, hope everyone has a great day. Thank you for listening to the Millennium Counseling Center podcast. Where hope is yours, it's time to soar. Continue along your journey of healing, hope, and recovery with us next week. If you want to learn more about mental health, recovery, or if you just need someone to talk to, send us a message on Instagram or fill out the contact form on our website at millenniumhope.com. We are here to talk.